Jones and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We'll uh, play some Vance Joseph sound for you in 30 seconds, but uh, since tonight's Thursday Night Football, and it's a good game. I'm actually looking forward to it just because the Bucks have been such a mess all year long, and the Ravens, you know, haven't. it's been uneven. Two teams we had such high expectations for, and they've been off to okay starts. How about this news drop two hours before the game? According to Us Weekly magazine, Tom Brady's wife, Giselle Bündchen, has informed him that, quote, either he leaves football to spend time with the family or she is gone for good, close quote. See, ultimatum. Wow. That's retire or I'm out of here. It's not specified whether he must leave now or next month or after the current season ends. Um, Brady has recently said more than once he will not be retiring during the 2022 season. Yeah. Um, Most wives gives their husband an ultimatum. Work or I'm out of here. <laughs> well, Zell's like, don't work, don't work or I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun, hanging over tonight's game. I'm sure Tom appreciates that report wow. being out there just in time for kickoff tonight. Right. Two hours Perfect, from now. Perfectly placed. Perfectly placed. Well, what the heck else are they going to talk about when it's 3-3 three to three in the fourth quarter? Well, oh, you man. Know, I, I know. They, they got a reprieve last Thursday night with the Saints and the Cardinals, right? They actually had some touchdowns to talk about. But those two Thursday night games before that were just dog breath bad. And tonight might be dog breath Breath bad too. Tampa's well, got know. no offense. They can't score. Can't no. run the ball. I can't. They can't. They, they're terrible in the red zone. They don't even get in the red zone that much. Not a good offense. All right, Vance Joseph. Today, speaking of Thursday night football, okay. spoke to the media today for the first time since that big win by the Cardinals, which saw his defense produce big plays, touchdown returns, pick sixes. Isaiah Simmons, Marco Wilson, uh, Antonio, Antonio Hamilton Elkins. in the end zone. Right today, Vance Joseph said, "Hey, it was fun seeing that, but man, we were not." that good last week. Absolutely. Um, that was fun to see, you know, um, especially from Marco and Isaiah and and um, Ham. You know, those three guys have worked hard, you know, all year and um, especially uh, Marco and Isaiah. And to watch them make those big time plays was fun, you know, fun to see for our defense. Obviously, it wasn't perfect. Um, I thought um, the standard dipped a little, you know, as far as uh, three big plays we gave up, which led to points. But outside of that, the guys were playing hard and those young guys were coming on fast and making, you know, again, game can you play? So it was fun to watch. In fact, he basically said that Friday when they all got together and met the day after the game, the players on the defense expected to get ripped after that game, despite what they had done the night before. They knew it, you know, they knew it coming in. Um, obviously, I, th- those plays were obvious. I mean, a 32, a 64 yard catch and run, uh, a big post in the first series of the game, and a, you know, big play late in the game, and a coverage where he should have been inside leverage. So, we just speak the truth. You know, coach the wrong and fix the right and uh, praise the right and um, and move forward. You know, but but we have to understand that's not good football. You know, making those plays was good for our team, but giving up three big plays is not good for our team. So let's fix those and move forward. Yeah, I, listen, I, they gave up a lot of points. They gave up a lot of yards, but I, like overall, they were good. I mean, did Alvin Kamara have a good game? No, no. Did um, I, you look at every all the players on the team? Like they didn't really. Have great games. They shut down the running game completely. Tyson Hill, what did he do? Tyson Hill? 
Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill didn't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Kamara didn't run the ball. And they came up with game-changing plays on defense. Granted, New Orleans, I think New Orleans got a lot of those yards. Fourth quarter, that's where they got a lot of the points. That's where they got a lot of the yards. It was not a great performance by the defense, but I thought it was a good one. Well, look, I'm just passing along what he said, and it was obvious, okay, the, the three plays that he's talking about, and I just looked it up to be sure. The 64-yard pass to Kevin White, obviously, that led to points. The 53-yard touchdown at the beginning of the game to Rashid Shahid, mm-hmm. uh, for, and then the 41-yard Taysom Hill pass to Chris Olave down to the Arizona 8, which led to points. That happened in the second quarter, first quarter, and third quarter, respectively. It was... Uh, look, I, I agree. I mean, a defense in a moment like that... It's more about the praise for what they did, and you kind of look past the yards, and you look past the points, and you realize, too, that that's, and we talked about this on Friday, that's playing with the lead. You know, when you've, when you've got a two-touchdown lead early, you can give up some yards, right? You, you can, give up some yards to make them use the clock. Yeah, you can you can kind of bend and don't break, and you're fine. It's not that big of a deal they if only you do had, that. They only had 17 points going into the fourth quarter, the Saints. They had 17 points. They scored a touchdown in the first, a touchdown in the second, a field goal in the third. They had 17 points going into the third quarter. Now, the Cardinals were up 28 to 14, and then it was 35 to 17 going into the fourth. So clearly, I think part of that is yes, we're going to, we're going to try to take time off the clock. We'll let them, we'll give up some of the underneath stuff. We'll make them have to use the clock, use it to our advantage, and the Cardinals were able to win the football game. But yeah, that, I, I don't, I, I thought the defense did a good job in that football game. Yeah, he just, I think, like, you know, like the best coaches, Ben. He wants to keep it real, right? And doesn't want let. He doesn't want. What, what's the phrase that Monty likes to use? Don't get happy on the farm. Yeah, he doesn't want his guys getting happy on the farm. You know, because no. they had a couple pick sixes and three interceptions, and he wants to point out, hey, we also gave up nearly 500 yards offense. We gave up over 24 first downs. We gave four up over 30 passes. points, four touchdown passes. Right? You you always find something to coach him up on. Another week, another elite wide receiver, and the Cardinals have been very, very very good at this this year. Vance was asked about Justin Jefferson and how to shut him down. We don't. I mean, he's a special player, obviously, and, you know, by numbers, he's getting the ball, you know, two to one to the second guy. So he's no different than Cooper Cup or Adams or um, the big guy in Seattle. What's his name? DK Metcalf. So, so many guys every week. So I lose track of these names. But um, no, I mean, he's, he's, he's a special player, and he's been that way for three straight years. We saw him last year. He, he made some plays last year. It wasn't bad, but obviously the plan's all ways to keep those guys from hurting us. I mean, Jefferson's got 63 targets this year. The next closest guy is Adam Thielen with uh, his 20 less. And then K.J. Osborne has 26. So, yeah, they're very reliant on Justin Jefferson, this offense. He's a dominant player. He's got he's averaging over 100 yards per game. He's got a couple of touchdowns. He's he's averaging uh, eight, almost eight catches a game. So, But they're really good at that. Now, Alave had a good game for, for New Orleans. But over the course of the season, they've done a good job against Cooper Cup. They did a good job against Devontae. Adams. They've yep. done a good job against Seattle's both Lockett and DK Metcalf did nothing against them. They have done a really
really good job of taking out receivers. Now, you know, maybe you look at Dalvin Cook. You say, okay, you got to worry. You can't stop everybody. But I think the emphasis is is on shutting down Justin Jefferson and not letting him go off. Yeah, here's how good he's been um, as far as receivers around the NFL. Nobody has a higher percentage of their receiving yards than Justin Jefferson does for his team. He's got 42.5% of the Vikings receiving yards. That's better than Cooper Cup. That's better than Tyreek Hill. He and Adam Thielen combine for 61% as a tandem of the receiving yards for the Vikings. That's second best in the NFL, only to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins. They're good. He's, They're, Justin Jefferson is one of the top two or three receivers in the entire NFL. I mean, there's no question. He's a stud. Speaking of uh, wide receiver news, Jamar Chase out four to six yeah. weeks with a hip injury. Yeah. Ooh. That's big. Ooh. That hurts. How does that affect all the fantasy football teams? You cut them? Do you keep them? What do you do? He is, honestly, and I've said this before, like, I can pick any any current football player's jersey that's not a Cardinal, that's somebody else's team. You want Jamar Chase? I think I'd want Jamar Chase. I love that dude. Him or Joe Burrow, I feel like I could just watch them play all day. That that would probably be, he or Joe Burrow would probably be the one non-Cardinal current active NFL jersey I would want is either Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase. It's good. That's good. You're trying to think of one? <sighs> yeah, I probably. I might go Allen with Buffalo. <laughs> Look at Mitch nodding his head and they're like, uh-huh. I'd want Russell Wilson so I could do five oh, hours and all you guys in a plane. It. Man. Did you see that ridiculousness yesterday? No, I was going to point out the kid. Uh, he's making the rounds on Twitter, Sports Center. There's a kid that dressed up like Joe Burrow when he wore Jamar Chase's jersey last weekend. It's like a spitting image. Really? He's got the he's got the black earbuds in. He's got his blonde hair all taut up and I all that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, that's Vance Joseph from earlier today. Now, when we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, Devin Booker has been the star as we expected, maybe even better than we expected. But when better. it comes, yeah, much better. better. But when it comes to comparisons, Devin Booker says there's nothing there. What's he referring to when he says that? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, Suns back at it tomorrow night when they take on the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, still not sure exactly for New Orleans who's going to play in that game and who's not going to play in that game. We haven't seen anything new, but at least I don't think we have. Uh, Zion Williamson was out for their last game. They still won. Brandon Ingram was out for their last game. They still won. Herbert Jones was out for their last game, and they all still without them. They beat Dallas 113-111. Right? Very crazy. You would think missing those guys that they wouldn't be able to beat the Mavs. They made yeah. Doncic work. They had really balanced scoring. The Pelicans are good. The Pelicans are... It's it's funny, and we'll talk about Devin Booker in just a second did, here. Did you, did you give an update on Ingram? Uh, concussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I see he's one of the guys who missed the game, and we're not sure right. whether he's going to play. They're saying he won't travel on this road trip. Okay. So that's the latest in New Orleans, that Brandon Ingram will not travel with the Pelicans. So he will be ruled out okay. against the Suns. Then based off of that report, assume that we're just waiting on Zion and Herb Jones to see if they play, but that Brandon Ingram wouldn't. I, I, yeah, nationally televised game tomorrow. Yeah, so. If they were full strength... You know, that might be, that might honestly be the Suns' toughest test yet this season. If the, a full strength Pelican team? A full team? strength Pelican team. 
Over the Warriors? Just because the Warriors are clearly easing their way into the season, mm. right? They didn't play their starters a ton on Tuesday night. They're trying their bench guys, trying a lot of different combinations. The Clippers on Sunday. Kawhi didn't play a lot of minutes, right? He, he didn't start the game. He started the second half. Um, the, the Pelicans the Pelicans are hungry. And the Pelicans, yes. for being honest about it, are probably more so playing to stay out of the play-in tournament than the Clippers or the Warriors or maybe even the Mavs. So every single game kind of matters to them, maybe a little bit more than it might to some other teams who feel like they can you, you, you kind of follow. Now, it doesn't matter because yeah, Brandon Ingram's probably they, not going to play. Yeah. I just think the Pelicans are really good, and I think they've got a lot more on the line to prove this year than maybe the Warriors or the Clippers do. Both Zion early. and Herb Jones stay out of practice today. Both of those guys were limited. So they're They'll listen to him as questionable. So Zion was limited in practice. Herb Jones was limited in practice. Um, Zion's coming back from that lower back contusion that he suffered in the Jazz game when he, uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson kind of blocked his shot and he kind of fell along the way. So, but both guys are listed as questionable. So we'll see. It's a nationally televised game. I'm sure they're going to want to get out there. They're three and one after they beat the Mavs. They, man, they're a good team. Eight players scored in double figures in that win against the Mavs. So, but you're going to be without Ingram for at least the next three games because they are not sending him on this trip. Of course, in the middle of all of this is Devin Booker. And uh, since the season started, 32.5 points. It's a career high. It's just four games. Okay, let's get that right out of the way early. 32.5 points per game. He's shooting 53% from the floor, 48% from distance. He leads the NBA in plus minus. He's off to an incredible start. And something he said after the game um, last Last, a couple of days ago against the Warriors really kind of resonated. Like that game seven loss to Dallas, we are not going to allow that moment to define us as a basketball team. Here's what he said. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not going to let one bad night, you know, define our careers. Um, and looking at it, there was only one winner last year and nobody else did. Um, you know, so everybody fell short of the goal except, you know, for Golden State, obviously. So, you know, that's not the time to pack up the bags and retire from losing one game. You know, we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to keep playing. So, I mean, it's exactly what you want to say. You can't let one game define you. I mean, it's 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 hard. Sometimes a play can define you. And I was thinking about Bill Buckner. Yeah, a couple days ago was the anniversary of the the ball that went through his legs. That play defined Bill Buckner. It's unfortunate, but I don't think a loss from a team. I don't know that you you know that that a team loss is the is as as defining as as an individual player who has a loss. No, I, I think an individual player like Chris Webber's timeout. I, I mean. I, Chris is Chris was a great basketball player. Everybody thinks about the Chris Webber right. timeout, non-timeout, because that was right. an individual thing. It was an individual mistake in the moment. I do think, though, to Booker's point, we were talking earlier in the show about how kind of the national media are like, you know what? On second thought, are bad. The Suns are good. Yeah. Nothing wrong with the vibe. The vibe is fine. I think part of the reason why people were down on the Suns, yeah, the Sarver thing. Yeah, the Aiton thing. Yeah, the Jay thing. But I think another reason, too, was because of that game seven against Dallas. Like, yes. wait a minute. Yeah. What the hell happened to that team? Yeah. 
how could a team that was that good be that bad in Game 7 at home? And I think that kind of lingering sort of hangover from that was in part the reason why a lot of national people were not really talking up the Suns very much. They kind of thought that they had peaked and they had passed and maybe it was done. And I, I think some of it was that Game 7 and the hangover from that. And here's books saying we're just not going to allow that to define us Listen, at all. something happened that I don't know what. Because they, they won 64 games. They were clearly the best team in the NBA last year in a regular season. They they had it turned on, and then they turned it off for a little while, and then they had a hard time turning it back on. Even in the New Orleans series, they had a hard time turning it on. Brandon Ingram was killing them. Alvarado was killing them. Herb Jones, like, they just, it, it's not like they ran into a buzzsaw in Dallas. They struggled against New Orleans, and then they came out of the gates really strong against Dallas. First two games, got a reestablished order, but then they kind of fell apart again, you know, and lost four to the next five games to the Dallas Mavericks. So they just would never, they never fully got back to playing at the level that they played at in the regular season. Yeah, and as far as the trash talking between Book and Clay Thompson in that game a couple of nights ago, he said, look, if Clay Thompson wants to go up holding up four fingers, counting the rings that he has, let him, because I... I can't have an answer to that. that. I don't yeah. have an answer to that. I'm not going to try to have an answer to that. I said respectfully, you know, I admire his game, but we're two different players. Um, and we, we play a different brand of basketball and different type of basketball. So if anybody's trying to do any type of comparison, there, there's nothing there. <laughs> I, I wonder if he was, but he didn't say don't compare me to Clay. I'm at a different level. He just said we're different players. So still respect like, because look, you you may end up playing them in a seven game series in the playoffs. You don't you don't want to say anything at all. Just we're different players. Don't compare us because we're different players. But could part of that be meant is don't compare me to Clay Thompson, man. I'm so far above him right now. I passed him by. He's not on my level. Okay, he can't guard me, and I can guard him. I mean, do you wonder if, like, when you play yes. that, which one are you hearing? Are you um, hearing A or B? Uh, a, don't compare us because we're just so different as players. But yet again. the other day, he said, when I came out of the draft, I said I wanted to be like Clay Thompson. So which one is it? Let me play it again here. Hold on. I said respectfully, you know, I admire his game, but we're two different players. Um, and we, we play a different brand of basketball and different type of basketball. So if anybody's trying to do any type of comparison, there, there's nothing there. <laughs> you, uh, Okay. I, yeah, well, I'm just okay because like a backhanded kind of uh, slight, I, I, a, a little bit of a okay. Look, the guy's got four rings. I don't, and 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 so there's that on the surface. There's that, but I mean, let's be honest. All right, Clay Thompson at his peak was obviously one of the best players in the NBA, but he was still a complimentary piece on that basketball team to Curry and to KD when KD was there. Book compliments no one, right? No. Book, Book is no. not the complimentary guy on the Suns team. now. But he's, he's never played, I mean, he's never played with anybody like that. Like, you, you play with Steph Curry. I mean, Scottie Pippen was a great player. He played with many great, great players were the second guy on their team. Yeah. Kevin McHale was a great player. He played with Larry Bird. Scotty Pippen was a great player. You know, he played with Michael Jordan. There's been a lot of guys oh. that were great players that were the second like, guy. Chris Middleton's a great player. He, he right. ain't honest, though, okay. right? I'm I mean, yeah, that, just, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like, that That happens a lot nowadays. Yeah, it's and so am I hearing, you know, the kind of other tones that you're talking about? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Like, yeah, don't compare us. You know, we're, we're he's, he's different because he's got the four rings. I'm different because we're just different guys. I mean, look. Clay Thompson, when he came out of college, when Book came out of college, it was, hey, be just, just be Clay Thompson, shoot a bunch of threes, make a bunch of threes, that'll be great. Be the next Clay Thompson, that'll be awesome. Book has clearly evolved beyond that. 
Right? He's clearly evolved beyond we talked about the limitations the of just being a great three-point shooter, and that's it, man. Yeah. That, that was five years ago, our dreams for Book. There are dreams of change for Devin Booker now. They're different. No, I mean, through the first four games, we're talking about who's better than him. I mean, John Morant or Donovan Mitchell right now. Who's playing at a higher level through four games than Devin Booker? Nobody. Yeah, like, you nobody. Can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620. When we come back, Suns are continuing to fight that negative narrative about them that we had before the season. They've done it against some really good opponents so far. It's time to go courtside with our Suns guru, Kellen Olsen, for his weekly visit. He's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with... Uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen... And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Honestly, it's going to take me until January to get used to the fanciness of that intro. I mean, it's it's, it's fancy. It's fancy. It's fancy. Kellen Olson, Suns Guru, joining us here in studio, Talk Suns Basketball. This is good every Thursday at 3.30 kind of thing. Kellen coming in, and we're just kicking it around for 10 minutes or so. What's going on, Kellen? Not much, man. Very exciting week in Sunsland. Two big games. We already saw one that I think was a lot more electric than people expected, and I'm expecting the same tomorrow night. What was what would you you call the main reason why so many people doubted the Suns going into this season? Talked about how bad the vibe was. We could focus on about four of them, but what do you think the main reason was? It, it was the tailspin in, in Game 7 for sure. Just with the stage that they sort of had, it, it was that ESPN note that we got about the opener, right? That it was like the most watched uh, late game they had on a season opening night for ESPN in like five or six years or whatever. There was a lot of intrigue around that series already as it was. And, and for them to tail spin out the way that they did on that type of stage, it was just so many people's locked in impression going, you guys know how that is. Like if we watch the the Jets that one week we get them and we see Zach Wilson throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, like man, that could, that could, we're not watching the other 16 games that he's going to play this year, of course, but that one impression you give so many people. And I think for a lot of people, both just casual basketball and sports fans, but also just experts kind of locking in on that and just immediately red flags come up from that going forward. So I think that's what led to a gambo, but of course there were a lot of Sparks that got ignited over over the summer as well. Wow, the DA stuff and the mm-hmm. GA stuff and the Sarver stuff and the, I mean it was this narrative was being this picture was kind of being painted all summer long and it's I, I look I know we're one week into the season but we we opened the show with it. There's already been almost like this somewhat of a national reckoning about the Suns. Like, oops, okay, our bad. They're, they're still they're still contenders. <laughs> uh, they're still really good. And you know whether it's Priscilla on his podcast or Pro Basketball Talk. Talk.com and whatever the case may be, there does seem to be, and I got to imagine from the Sun's perspective that that I'm sure there's a little bit of a message here that they're trying to send to everybody. Like, okay, yeah, y'all write us off. That's that's fine. That's cool. Don't talk about us all you want. We're still pretty good around here, right? Yeah, I think DA after practice today used the word vengeance. It was either vengeance or revenge. Kind of the same sort of things with the way that he's approaching this, this season as well. But man, I don't know if you guys watched any of the the Bucks and the Nets game. You guys were probably, I think you guys were still on the I air. I did watch. 
some of it. The I first was, quarter I was, was watching some ugly of it. game. It was just ugly basketball from both teams. Like Brooklyn's off to a terrible start, but Milwaukee as well. And then I mean the Lakers speak for themselves. The Nuggets, in fact, were I mean, they were within three points of the Lakers at halftime. They've got a lot of stuff to figure out. And I'm just looking across the league right now, and I think at least two thirds of the league, even even the lower teams, but all the way up to the higher teams, are trying to figure a lot of stuff out. The Clippers Unless you're are, the Jazz, you've got it all figured out. Trade your best players, get a bunch of players that nobody cares about, a bunch of draft picks, and just go win all your games. But that's part of my point, is that the teams that are coming in with some level of continuity right now, or just gelling right now, are really taking advantage of a lot of the league right now that is not figuring out. And we've used the word continuity for two years with this team, and look at everything that happened. Yes, there are a couple of rotation changes, but they've been pretty minimal, and this is still the same core group that it was, so I'm not surprised at all that they're off to this kind of start and and that they're going to continue to be. I, I picked them to win the most games of the Western Conference this year. I think in the regular season, they're still going to be an absolute monster. It's just the questions that come up once we get to the postseason, we're going to have to talk about that right now because it's October. No, but we but they're also building towards what's going to happen in the postseason and that was kind of the narrative from James Jones yesterday when we had him on about kind of thinking long term about Chris Paul and, and it, you know, you, you're around this team every day as often as you possibly can be for what you do for ArizonaSports.com. What what do you think got fixed or what do you think got answered with how Chris played the other night against the Warriors? Yeah, I don't know how much of the sound you guys played, but pregame and post, it was really interesting to hear from Monty and, and Chris as well. But Monty pregame said that this is actually something Chris has wanted for a couple of years now is to play off the ball more. And when you're a lead playmaker and, and you dominate the ball that the way that he does, I mean, if you guys really think about Chris Paul's career, his rookie year, it's not a Chris Paul team yet because he's Chris, he's he's a rookie. Maybe a Houston year or two with James Harden, you would have classified that as a James Harden team, but every other year of his career, it has been a Chris Paul team. It has been about what he does on the ball, his leadership, and so on. And we're going to talk about Devin Booker in a minute, I assume. Like, this is a Devin Booker team. Four games in, this is a Devin Booker team. It was it was not last year. It was not the year before. It was always led by Chris Paul, both him on the ball and his leadership off the court. His leadership off the court is still there, of course, but on the ball, he's less of a prominent figure, and it gets him off the ball more where he's going to be able to save his legs a little bit more and take advantage of more of his play. But there's an adjustment there for anyone. It, it's Chris Paul. He's a genius. He thinks the game unlike anyone else we've ever seen in the history of the sport, in my opinion. But with that being said, it's an adjustment to play off the ball after 15, 16, it's been 17 years now of him leading the show like that. And when you think about it off the ball, he's a career 44% three-point shooter on catch and shoots. So he's going to be great there. And then if you think about someone going to close them out and taking him off the line if they want to eventually when he starts knocking these down, now you're talking about Chris Paul going into a defense that's recovering. And Chris Paul's going to make the right decision every time he's going to get to that elbow pull-up, so he's going to adapt and get into that role. It's just a matter of how long does it take him. Does it take him two weeks, a month, three months? You guys remember the 8-8 eight and eight start last year and or two years ago, and then the 1-3 and three start last year. Like we're, They're going to figure it out eventually. It was just a matter of how long it's going to take and in, in a more minor way for Chris. I think that's the thing Chris that just, he's just going to have to figure Chris out. Chris just has to shoot it because there yeah. are teams out there that are realizing, like, look, I'm not going to give you the elbow jumper anymore. I'm not. I'm going to leave you open, and I'm going to let you take a three-point shot, and Chris is mine. I'm, I'm going to miss that shot more times than I take it, but the elbow jumper, I'm going to make 80 to 90% of the time, I'm going to hit that elbow jumper. So he's just got to take it. He wouldn't take it against Dallas. He wouldn't take it. If you noticed about that game the other night, like all of those shots were wide open. They were wide open. There wasn't anybody really guarding him. So he's got to just, he's got to take that shot. I agree. I mean, he's just got to get it in his mind that 40, 45% on those shots are really, really good. And if you have that instead of the elbow jumper, just take it. 
And you look at the other players on the team, that's where I think what Monty was getting at pregame uh, two nights ago was that I, in Chris's mind, it's like, well, I can get Cam a shot or I can get Mikel a shot. And it's like, well, their numbers are probably a little bit worse than yours in those catch and shoots. Like, you think of them as the shooters on this team and Book as well as excellent shooters. You're an excellent shooter as well. Yeah. And he needs to take those looks. The elbow jumper thing is really fascinating, Gambo, because you guys the last couple of days have been talking about the numbers with his age and how rare it is. The thing I've always noticed about his shots, some guys get vertical on their jumper more than others. He gets really vertical, and that's where you look at his legs and just wonder how much he has in the tank there in terms of getting vertical on those jump shots, on those elbow jumpers so many times. We'll see when he starts to get to it. He's going to have a game here in the next three or four where he hits five or six of them, and it's like he never left. But the three started to go down Gambo last game. Now we need to see those elbow jumpers come back because that's where he's unstoppable. All right, let's talk about – we'll talk about Booker in a second. Let's talk about Cam Johnson and and the slow-ish start that it's been. I know there have been some injuries and some lingering stuff, but this this idea of Cam Johnson as a starter, it's, it's not off to the bang-bang start that everybody thought. What What's kind of being said, and what are you hearing about the start Cam's off to so I, I think the thing to understand about Cam is that when he has an injury, it takes him a while to kind of get back, and just unfortunately for him, he keeps catching a bad break. I mean, goodness gracious, Gambo, he messes up his tailbone two games ago, and then a game ago, Draymond shoves Jock Landale into Cam. Cam takes a fall right on that tailbone again. You could kind of see the frustration that on his face. dirty like, Draymond Green. <laughs> but think about it from Cam's position. The game's over. There's five minutes left in the game. Like, he probably shouldn't even been in the in the game, to be honest. It was wrapped up. And then he takes that fall. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, I fall on this thing again. And, and he had, like, a bump on his eye after the opener. It's just, it, it, it takes him a bit, statistically, from what we've seen to kind of get back into form. And last year, when he comes back from the injury, he just wasn't quite the same guy. And I think when he gets hurt, it, it takes him a little bit to get there. And he, he's going to be fine. Now, the thing that I'm okay with, if he shoots 30% from the field and they keep outscoring teams the way that they have with those five on the court, I don't care what he's shooting, to be honest. I don't, because they are obliterating teams right now four games in through the tiny sample size we've seen when those five guys are on the court together. But you think about the rhythm standpoint for Cam as well. Cramps the first game. The second game, the tailbone. The third game, I, I believe it was the third game he had foul trouble or it was the fourth game he misses or no, he played the third game. One of those two, I'm sorry. He, he had foul trouble in and, and just a rhythm standpoint, it'll help him there a lot easier, I think, once he gets that out. All right, I know you watched every single European Dario Saric game. Sure did, Gambo. <laughs> I, I, got, I got reports. I got, I got good reports and I had brought up the fact that from what I was hearing, Dario was not playing very well. He was slow. He was sluggish. He was having a hard time time getting up and down the court. My reports were saying that he probably wasn't going to be able to help the Suns early this season. So far, he's played two minutes through these four games. Do you think that's more of a product of him just not being ready? Or some people have speculated that maybe they could be holding on to him for a possible future trade? It's a really good question. By the way, that was Eurobasket, and that brings up one of my favorite Burns and Gamble bits ever, where four years ago, you guys were talking about Luca playing in Eurobasket, and you guys were like, who's watching Eurobasket anyway? We're like, other than that nerd, Callan, probably no one is watching Eurobasket. <laughs> You're right. I was up at 3 a.m. watching them play Estonia, yeah, Gambo, right. because I have a problem. You I have watched a problem. some of those games. I watched yeah. all of them. I watched every second he played Gambo, and, and he honestly, wasn't good. To that point, he wasn't good, but I thought athletically, like he had a bit of like burst. He looked in phenomenal shape for a guy coming off that knee injury. But the impact on the game, when you're at that level, which is a bit lower than the NBA, to be honest, that level of European international play, someone like him who's an NBA player making $10 million a year, he's got to dominate in some stretches or even just consistently impact the game. And he wasn't able to. And, and that's where the concern kind of came from. But I, I think, honestly, it just has more to do with how perfect Jock Landale is for what they do and really how well he's played. All right, um, Pelicans 
preview stuff for ArizonaSports.com, what we can look forward to, because I know there's a lot of talk today about the Pels. Yeah, I'll, I'll plug that on ArizonaSports.com and just plug your guys' show tomorrow, because you guys are going to be playing a lot of the sound from today's practice from Monty Williams and DeAndre, and they just talked about how these two teams, it's almost like looking in a mirror with the similarities between these two teams, and the way that I'm writing about it on the side is I think this is going to be a huge rivalry for them in the next couple of years. Not not one where there's bad blood or anything like that, but just like they, they have a ton of respect for each other, but when they play, it's just they know each other so well that it inevitably just leads to the physicality that they're going to play with. So read that, listen to you guys tomorrow, and watch the game tomorrow night because it's going to be a great one, I All think. Right, good stuff, Kellen. We appreciate the time. Thanks for swinging in. You got Thank it? you. All right, Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com, our resident Suns guru here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, we turn our attention back to the Arizona Cardinals and the Vikings. The big plays in this game. Question is, who's going to make them? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns here on Arizona Sports on this Thursday afternoon as we're coming up to the game on Sunday between the Cardinals and the Vikings. And, and in some ways, this is almost like a repeat of a conversation that we had earlier in the show, except we had it about the Arizona Cardinals. And we were talking about their offense and where are the explosive plays and where are the big plays, et cetera, et cetera. Where have all the good times gone? Where have all the good times where gone? Where have all the good times gone? They're asking the same question in Minnesota about their offense. You know, and, right. and, it's, and there are, look, there are certain teams in this league who are aren't having this conversation. They're not talking about this in Buffalo. They're not talking about this in Kansas City. They're not talking about this in Philadelphia. But they are talking about it here in Arizona. Where's the big offense gone? And they're definitely talking about it in Minnesota. This is a team that in explosive pass rates, they're 30th in the NFL. Last year, they were 5th. Kirk Cousins average air yards per attempt. It's the lowest of his career. And it's, it's funny listening to them talk up there in Minnesota it's like a carbon copy of listening to the conversation down here. Hey, yeah, where's the big it, place? It's the defense. They're taking it away from us. They're not letting us go for the big plays. We're taking all the underneath stuff. Can we just play a cut from Kyler saying that? That's ex- we just played that cut a little while ago. Kyler saying that, like, you know, they got to take what they're giving us. Maybe defenses are, you know, a lot of too high, a lot of, you know, shell coverage and stuff like that, making people check the ball down, take the underneath stuff, which I know we've had to deal with that. Um, I think I would do the same if I, you know, if I was a defensive coordinator, kind of a, a bend but don't break type of mentality. Make these, you know, all these. There's so many great athletes on offense, so many great players in today's league, so competitive that um, I think you know it's tough to put guys in you know situations where they're playing man or um, where they can get beat. So yeah, I would yeah I I, uh, I would probably do the same. I'd do the same thing if I yeah. were a defensive coordinator. Well, I think defensive it's- coordinators that figured I would rather have ten shots at you getting five to ten yards of play, but I get up opportunities to force a fumble. I get opportunities for alignment to, you know, tip a short pass up in the air and get it into instead of one play to catch you 65 yards and all of a sudden, you know, we always liked the we always thought the philosophy, man, I'd rather have a team score quickly, you know, than 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 methodically take it. The offenses offenses like to wear out defenses too. They like to keep you on the field for a long period of time. Offenses want to make you go stay on the field for 6 or 7 minutes. So defenses, they, you know, if they're going to give up a touchdown, I'd rather give it up 
with a big strike, then give up a 10-play, 75-yard drive that keeps them on the field for six and a half minutes. Yeah, no doubt about it. So in Minnesota, they're they're trying to figure out the same thing the Cardinals are trying to figure out with their offense. They're trying to figure out what's going on with Kirk Cousins. And, and of course, the thing to consider, too, is it's, it's a new offense there with a new head coach. It's a very Rams kind of feel to it. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Like, there's certain elements of it that might not favor Kirk Cousins very well, in particular operating out of the shotgun, which is very much a kind of standard thing that they do there. But I, I, it, it seems fair to say that both teams will try to establish the big plays because neither team have really been able to do it so far. Yeah. Will either team have success when it comes to that? Yeah, it seems to be I, one of the big questions. I don't know. If they're taking it away, like, you know, like we always say, like, you got, you want to try a couple of them. You want to try to soft. It's like a boxer. Like, you know, you want to go to the head, but you really need to go to the body a little bit. So the guy drops his glove. So then you could go to the head. You got to take some of those shots down the field if you ever want to open it up. Like, you've got to show the willingness to go down the field to make them be, okay, now line. Linebackers cheat back a little bit, you know. So you've got to you got to give that. You've got to get you know b- believe that you're going to take shots down the field. But the Cardinals and the Vikings haven't done enough. For the Vikings, one of the things I found really interesting about it, right? They've they've got the fifth fewest amount of big plays down the field, twenty plus yards, only sixteen of them. But they've allowed twenty five of them, so they've given up more. But they haven't needed that explosive play as much because when you look at them, one of the one of the things the Vikings have been really good at. You mentioned it before, special teams. Their punting game, their kicking game has been really good. Their average starting field position, 32-yard line. That's one of the best. That, that's either the that best is, or the second best in the NFL. The best in the NFL. 32-yard so line. They, so they haven't had to go 75 yards, 80 yards, 85 yards down the field. Now their opponent's starting field position is 24-yard line. That's a big difference. If you don't, the eight yards is a big difference. So they've gotten good field position to where their opponents have had to start inside the 25. They're starting outside the 30. So they're getting good field position. So it takes, maybe they don't feel like they need as many big plays. Let's go back to something you said just a second ago about the big plays about how they've they've had you know, the fifth fewest big plays of 20 yards or more through six games and they've given up the eighth most one of the other kind of stats little nuggets that I found in, in doing the research on this game they are the Cardinals and the Vikings polar opposites when it comes to their defense and how they do against the number one wide receiver for the other team right Cardinals all year we've talked about the job they've done right at it on DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or Devontae Adams we've gone on and on about it. it's very much a Byron Murphy stat the Vikings Vikings, the exact opposite. In fact, they have the second worst defense in the NFL when it comes to guarding the number one wide receiver that's, on the other team. Yeah, well, that's you know, good so, news for so DeAndre that, Hopkins. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a, a good Hopkins that's game. That's a D-hop stat right there. Yep. That is a, aren't you glad you've got D-hop back for this game? Because that does seem to go right to the wheelhouse of, okay, if these teams are competing to see who's going to get the big plays, that's where this might be advantage Cardinals because that defense for, Viking, for the Vikings tends to to give those up a little more than the Cardinals but do. One more thing is a factor here that we haven't talked about. Robbie Anderson at full at full strength. Yes. Okay. Second week in, should know the playbook really well. You had the mini buy. You've had plenty of time to catch him up. He's a burner. He's a speedster. So here's the guy. Okay. You want to take more shots down the field? Now you would have thought with Hollywood Brown you would have done that, but with Robbie Anderson now you've got the you got the guy with the speed, but also with the size. Yeah. So now I don't feel like if, if I take a shot down the field. 
I, I'm, I'm probably going to either have a completion or an incompletion instead of an interception because he's got great size and he can make a play on the ball if it's not going his way. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, lots going on in the world of sports, lots of things that we have talked about, things that we haven't. We'll cover them all in the 4 o'clock reset next on the Burns and Gambo show.